Please don't confuse me for someone who is claiming that works of fiction should have messages. They shouldn't. Coming up on Philosophy Talk, how fiction shapes us. Fictions are very various, and some of them probably just entertainment, and others of them benefit us in different ways. Can't reading great novels make us better people? Certain works of fiction are designed to have these special devices that force the reader to do certain kinds of things that life doesn't force you to do. The point of a novel is to entertain readers. Truth, profundity, and edification are fine, but basically beside the point. Works like these are great fun, too. Our guest is Joshua Landy, author of How to Do Things with Fiction. You can't convey your perspective of the world in sentences. You have to do it through style. Recorded live at Litquake, San Francisco's literary festival. How fiction shapes us. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. This is Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. I'm John Perry. We're coming to you from Litquick, San Francisco's annual literary festival. Our thinking originates down Highway 101 at Stanford University. There at Philosopher's Corner is where Ken and I teach philosophy. Welcome everyone to Philosophy Talk. Today, how fiction shapes us. How fiction shapes us? Come on, Ken. Fiction can do all sorts of things for us. It can entertain us, stimulate our imagination, move us, confound us, even outrageous. But how is fiction supposed to shape us? What? I don't even know what that even means. Well, John, look, fiction unleashes the imagination. Take Borges, one of my favorite authors, authors, for example. He takes us on guided tours of the boundless space of human possibilities. He, he creates imagined worlds that are morally, psychologically, and even metaphysically complex. Yeah, Borges is a good example of how fiction can confuse us, but how does it shape us? Well, take Ian McEwan's Atonement. There's a morally complex novel, and that novel offers us multiple perspectives at the same time on the same complicated moral universe. Real life can't do that, you know. Well, that's very deep, Ken. That's very poetic, but it does not answer my question. How does fiction shape us? Well, fiction shapes us by giving us practice at living. And, and if you practice anything, you, you become better at it. Reading fiction makes us more psychologically astute, more empathetic, more attuned to moral complexity. I don't think fiction, reading fiction, is going to make you anything that you aren't already. If you're a compassionate person, sure, you'll, you'll empathize with the characters you read about. If you're a miserable old curmudgeon, like me, Reading fiction probably not going to change much of anything. Uh, I think you're underestimating the power of fiction, John. Th think of it this way. Every human being is confronted with some basic existential questions. Who should I be? How should I live? How should I treat others? Now, answering those questions, that's a way of choosing a life for yourself, choosing an identity. And what a good work of fiction can do is can force you, compel you to reflect on such questions. It can even propose answers to such questions. You can accept them or reject them, but fiction can do that. That's a pretty complicated theory, and does it really fit? I mean, take Lolita. There's a great novel. How is reading that going to make me a better person, going to make me more moral? Oscar Wilde said there is no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. 
books are either well written or they're not. That's it. Well, actually, John, Lolita is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Because reading a novel can have a payoff, a moral payoff. It can do that even if it's a morally challenged or challenging novel. And I think that part of what makes Lolita such a masterpiece is that Nabokov gets us to inhabit Humbert's morally warped perspective. And in doing that, he compels us to stretch and strengthen our moral muscles. Well, reading fiction can heighten our aesthetic sensibilities and it can be fun. I think that's about it. It pretty much leaves us as it finds us. It can't turn a sinner into a saint or a fool into a wise man. Uh, I, I think you're wrong, John. You are what you read, or at least you are what you make of what you read, at least in part. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there are novels in which morality is an important part. Take Huckleberry Finn, for example. A great thing about that novel is the way it captures the moral complexity of the relationship between Jim and Huck. But what... The relevance of that is that it grasps it, it depicts it. It isn't that it has an effect on the reader of making the reader more moral. Who, who knows what effect it has? Well, look, I'm not going to say that the only thing about a work of fiction is its ability to morally improve us. I agree there's aesthetic values too, but that's part of what makes novels worth reading at all. If they didn't do that, why bother? Well, because they're fun to read. I think you're way too focused on the moral dimension of fiction. I, I think fiction warms up the entertainment modules in our brain. And I don't think it really does much with the morality modules in our brain. Yeah, I think the science fiction module in your brain is kind of going haywire here. But look, why don't we see what effect reading fiction actually has on our brains? And to do that, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Caitlin Esch, to find out how fiction shapes us right down to the synapses. She files this report. Keith Oatley wanted proof that reading fiction is healthy. Probably for maybe two and a half thousand years, um, people have thought that literature was good for you. But he wanted to know why. See, Oatley is a cognitive psychologist and novelist living in Toronto. About 10 years ago, Oatley and York University associate professor Raymond Marr began an experiment. Here's Marr. I got this idea that, well, if people are constantly imagining what characters in fiction are thinking and feeling, then maybe it could help them sort of build up or bolster these abilities. In other words, he thought reading fiction helps people relate to others and increases empathy. So they tested this theory by measuring how much fiction a person reads. Then they measured that person's ability to empathize using a test called reading the mind in the eyes. Here's how it works. You match emotions like surprise, anxiety, or desire with facial expressions. Again, Keith Oatley. What we found is that the more fiction people read, the better they were at the mind in the eyes test. So reading a lot of fiction increases a person's ability to understand emotion in real life, or what psychologists call theory of mind. Oatley says fiction isn't just a description of the world. It's an opportunity for readers to simulate experience. Or maybe it's more accurate to say experience a simulation. You don't just have to live your own life if you read fiction. You can lead many lives. You can enter many different kinds of situations. You can meet many different kinds of people. So it is a kind of um, expansion of ordinary everyday life. Other experiments compared brain scans of people who are reading to people who are actually experiencing. And it turns out, from the brain's perspective, there's not a huge difference. Again, Raymond Marr. Reading something and actually experiencing or performing that thing lead to similarities in 
neural activation. So if we were to read about somebody kicking a ball, for example, then you would see activation in the motor cortex. But more specific to that, it would be in the area of the motor cortex that has to do with the lower body, so our legs, you know, so it's quite specific. While every kind of fiction affects the brain, from trashy romance novels to Shakespeare, Oatley says quality still does matter. Take the Chekhov experiment. A new arrival, it was said, had appeared on the esplanade, a lady with a dog. Oatley and other colleagues compared how the brain responds to literature that's considered art to how it responds to the lowbrow stuff. So they took Chekhov's short story, The Lady with the Little Dog. I'd spent two weeks in Yalta, and had got used to the place. A colleague wrote a version that was similar. It even had some of the same dialogue, but in a less descriptive non-fiction style, definitely not Chekhov. Subjects were given personality tests before and after reading both versions. And um, what we found is that people who read the Chekhov story changed their personality a little bit. People rated themselves in terms of neuroticism and agreeableness, and they actually changed their answers in different ways after reading the Chekhov story, but not after reading the knockoff version. Fiction, it seems, helps us see even ourselves from a different perspective. And so what we found very interesting about that is that maybe literature, although it has a social effect on us, isn't an effect like persuasion or advertising or getting you to think this or that. It doesn't enable you to think, but in your own way. And that's, we think, um, a rather wonderful idea. So what we read changes us. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Caitlin Ash. Want to hear more? You can hear the rest of the program by purchasing it at iTunes Music. Or, for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.